You can be ready for people to Google you before that big meeting, Google you before you get asked for that promotion or ask for that award or honor, or you don't. So you can either have your, you can either have your career narrative by default, which is whatever the heck comes up is what comes up, or you can have it by design. Hey friend, it's David Nabinski here in Brooklyn here at Portfolio Career Podcast. We help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. Today's guest is Kim Kalp. Um, as you may recall, Kim was thankfully a previous guest on the podcast with episode 122 that went live in August 2020. Um, since then, Kim's company has pivoted now called Bright Ideas Only. Um, as you also may remember, uh, she has evergreen courses around entrepreneurship on LinkedIn and has a brand new course, a new cohort-based course called Career Capital. Uh, you can learn more about the course at careercapitalcourse.com. The deadline to apply is this October 8th. Um, in this episode, you'll learn about cohort-based courses and how it, Kim thinks about them compared to offering evergreen courses, evergreen video courses. Uh, you also learn some of the core principles in the course around career capital and some high-level tips on how to utilize LinkedIn and so much more. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and friend source job opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Kim. Kim, welcome to the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast round two. What a treat. Round two, better than the first back again. Yep. Going to be better than the first. Um, so two things I want to kind of talk about is online courses and career capital. Hopefully those are topics that you're interested in talking about. I am curious about LinkedIn learning courses, kind of how you got involved in them. Um, and, you know, obviously we're going to talk about cohort-based courses and stuff, but I think it's really interesting to think about kind of where the online course creation kind of journey started and kind of to provide some context as to kind of where we are now. Totally. A hundred percent. Well, thank you for having me back first and foremost. And I'm definitely excited to dive into this subject because I think it's something that has only become more prominent during the last 18 months as we've all been at home with online learning in one way or another, whether it's banana bread in your kitchen. I swear to God, I can't take any more banana bread. I'm done making it for, for a number of years. Um, but I think, you know, it's funny when we, when we talk about LinkedIn learning versus cohort-based courses versus eBooks or maybe webinars, I really kind of tell people like different strokes for different folks, right? It's not one size fits all. It's not necessarily even one size fits all for the learner. You know, I learn very differently than you might learn, which is very differently than somebody else might learn. And likewise, one person might, I have friends, they absolutely love teaching 
LinkedIn learning, Kajabi or Udemy courses. They're like, I just want to make the course one time. I want to be on camera one time. I want to look really good, really polished for that one recording. And then I just want to sell an evergreen. That's kind of like, that's what I love. You know, that's, that's my, that's my spot. I want to stay in it. And then you have people like me who did that. I have some online courses via LinkedIn. And I was like, you know what? I kind of miss humans. I kind of miss the people. I kind of miss seeing who's on the other side of the screen, kind of miss talking to people and answering questions. And with an online course, that's kind of hard because that person could be watching your course at two in the morning with popcorn on their lap, sitting in their boxers. Um, so you're not at that moment in time with them. Whereas when you're thinking about cohort-based courses, you know, you're jumping on Zoom, you're all jumping in together. It's the same time. It's the same place. There's some collaboration. And again, I'm not even saying that that way is better or right. I think that really it depends. I have some people that say, you know what, I'm really good at learning late at night. Those online courses are perfect for me. And then I have, you have people like me who are like, you know what, I kind of do better with other humans. I kind of do better when I'm held accountable in certain ways. So it's going to be better for me to do a cohort-based course. So I'm super excited. I have my first cohort-based course that's launching in October on Maven. I'm really excited about it. In addition to, you know, the LinkedIn learning courses. So I have, I have, so I kind of feel a little bit like, Hannah Montana currently. I've like the best of both worlds. If anyone has watched that show, um, that's what I sort of feel like at this exact moment. And the first LinkedIn learning course that was 2017, 2018, 20, 2019, actually 2019. And the three courses that I have with LinkedIn are all around entrepreneurship. So it's entrepreneurship foundations. It's specifically on bootstrapping a business. It's specifically on managing a business during a crisis, like a pandemic and how to do that. And then I just finished up um, a really like super quick down and dirty course with them last week, all about creator mode, which is the new feature that LinkedIn has launched, which uh, to get on my soapbox for a minute, I would encourage everybody, everybody listening, if you do nothing else from this podcast, if you're just like, Kim, I am really lazy and I'm listening to this while I wash dishes or I'm listening to this while I go for a walk, please, 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 if you do nothing else, turn on creator mode. I, I created a whole like step-by-step instructional video for you. You can go to turnoncreatormode.com and it will be me. And it will be me telling you exactly where to click, exactly what to do. If you do nothing else, just turn the dang thing on. It's going to be so helpful in terms of optimizing your profile on LinkedIn. Thankfully, I think I I turned it on a week ago or else I was going to stop the recording and then go and be like, (laughs) okay, like that's, she said, do it, you know, so I got to go do it. But um, I think I turned it on and and then there's like some hashtags you kind of add to things and stuff like that. But Yes. Well, thank you for turning it on. You're ahead of the curve. You're ahead of the game. And so it's, it's really just, they're pouring a lot of money into the platform. They are really kind of trying to catch up, if you will, to the Instagrams, to the TikToks, to the Facebooks of the world. So it's sort of like the golden era to, to jump on board right now. Golden era. I like that. And it seems, and so then it was like with each one of them, it's like, okay, learn from each, improve to the next one, et cetera. I see you shaking your head, nodding. Is that, is that kind of how you thought about it? It was like the first one, you're like, this is an experiment. We'll see how it goes. 
Um, you know, I'll, I'll stretch myself, learn some new skills, see what, how it resonates with different people. And then, you know, keep going from there. Totally. Absolutely. And it was really for me about how do people enjoy learning? And I would say, yeah, there's a ton of people who I get messages all the time. I love your LinkedIn learning programs. They're so great. This was so helpful. I love this point. And then kind of on the flip side, I get a lot of messages saying, Hey, I kind of liked your program, but dot, dot, dot. Do you have anything live? You know, dot, dot, dot. Do you do consulting? Dot, dot, dot. Do you have a mastermind? You know, people who were probably a little bit more like me, which is how do we get to interact with you? Not through a screen or through a screen, but actually live as opposed to a recording. So I would say I, I kind of get emails both ways. And so that's kind of what triggered it for me. Like, Hmm, if people are asking you for something over and over again, there's probably a reason for that you should probably listen. Or if you're going to ask the same question over and over again, there's probably a reason for that. You should probably optimize the answer to that in some way. So, you know, for me, when I kept hearing over and over again, are you doing anything live? Do you have a mastermind program? Do you have a this? Do you have a that? That's when it sort of triggered in me like, okay, I need to at least try it. I could hate it. I literally could hate it. We'll see. Well, no, I don't think I'm going to, cause I, I sort of love, you know, live teaching. So I, I have a funny feeling I'm going to fall in love with it, but this will be like my first maiden voyage, if you will, into cohort-based courses. So we'll see, we'll see how it turns out. <laughs> well, um, I think it's going to be a big success and I'm clearly rooting for you. Um, and so the first um, cohort-based course as you mentioned, in October, couple couple registration, I think ends October eighth. Eighth. Wow. Okay. And although I'll let people in late, probably, I'm such a softy. I feel like I'm going to get an email from someone that's like, my cat threw up on my computer and I missed the deadline, and I'll probably still let them in. Because <laughs> then it starts two weeks later. Exactly. It starts on October eighteenth. Monday, October 18th. So that's the, that's the big celebration and kickoff. I'm really excited. Cool. And how, how are you thinking about, um, so this course, as you mentioned, is different than the entrepreneurship, uh, types of courses. How, how are you thinking about, and you mentioned you got a bunch of emails and you get inquiries from people. What, what about it said, I want to create this course now. Uh, was it, you know, wanting to serve a certain audience? Was it more about there's a, uh, a big opportunity for people? Uh, people are not taking advantage of career capital. Uh, was it wanting to stretch a, you know, a new muscle, maybe some combination of all of the above, but what was like the aha catalyst moment? I think the aha moment for me was twofold. So I have had my marketing agency for the last 10 years, started it in 2011. Here we are in, in 2021. So for 10 years, I have been building or helping to build the relationship between the brands and clients we work with and the ultimate consumers or fans. And these are not just any you know clients and brands. These are some of the biggest iconic ones of our time. It's, it's Paul McCartney. It's Oprah. It's Marvel. It's Comic-Con. It's the New York Mets. And so what I realized after 10 years of doing this work is I'm like, hey, wait a second. I know that this works for these big guys or else we wouldn't be around for 10 years continuing to do the work. But are there pieces of this 
that can also work, that can also translate to, to us, right? To, to regular leaders and entrepreneurs and founders and executives and people who are, you know, doing really amazing things. And the answer that I was slowly finding was, was yes. And something that was really evident to me during COVID was a lot of people were reaching out to me in what I call sort of spring cleaning mode. So they found all this extra time on their hands and they were like, you know what? my resume actually does look kind of bad or like actually my LinkedIn does kind of have cobwebs on it. And you know what? Like, I know that I should be further along in my career and I know that I should have these awards and honors and I don't. And I don't because I'm too busy on the hamster wheel of work, 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 that I've, I've kind of filled everybody else's cup and I haven't filled my own cup. I haven't invested in myself. I haven't invested in my own career and my own career capital. And so what happened was I started to work with a couple handful of friends, founders, executives early on in 2020. And then I guess a great problem to have, it was like, we started seeing really explosive growth on their stuff, amazing opportunities coming their way. And what do people do when they find something they like, whether it's a restaurant, a bakery, or a pair of socks, they tell their friends, Hey, I got this awesome new pair of socks. You should go buy some Bomba socks. Or, hey, I tried this awesome new pizza. You should try this pizza joint. And so my name started getting passed around. Oh my God, Kim, you know, helped me win this award. She helped me get this promotion. She helped increase my salary by $60,000. Like we're just having these amazing momentum. And the inquiries started to come in and I thought to myself, well, wait a second, again, I'm repeating the same things individually to people and they're really only getting my perspective, you know, not to toot my own horn. I have a great perspective like toot toot, but you know, I think there's also really great perspectives when you get other people in the room. And so that was really the spark of like, okay, if I were to get a small cohort together, if I were to train people, let's say 20 people at a time or 30 people at a time, what would that look like when they're not only getting my feedback, they're getting other people's perceptions and feedback as well. And so that was really kind of the defining moment of for me saying, I think there's something here. I think there's something to this. And I think the one thing that the pandemic has really taught a lot of people or that a lot of people saw for better or for worse is, I mean, let's keep it real, David. There were a lot of people fired. There were a lot of people furloughed. There were a lot of people let go and cut. And I always say, you can give everything to your job. That does not guarantee your position there. There were people that were fired after working for companies for 10 years, 15 years, not even necessarily the company's fault, Maybe they worked in the travel industry and, you know, it was destroyed or restaurants. And so for me, it was really this moment where I think a lot of people had this aha moment where they're like, oh man, if I don't have this company or if I don't have this job, who am I? And that's really what career capital is, is how do we make sure that David is good, whether he is working at X, Y, or Z? And by the way, that he's also ready to jump into A, B, or C, if that opportunity comes along, like how do we really prepare you as an amazing leader for no matter what, what comes in the future? Yeah. And do you think that, are are you seeing a shift of either the, um, so like sometimes I've invited people to be a guest on the podcast and they say, uh, my company doesn't allow me to, to like talk and they're 
you know, um, call it like a VP of innovation at a company. Um, it's a publicly traded company is an example I'm thinking about, but are you starting to see a shift in, in that where companies or people are kind of going, cause it seems like there's a little bit of a shift in terms of, uh, kind of where we are in the market in the last 12 months or so of like last year, as you mentioned, really bad. Now there's a little bit of shift where people are like, I'm burned out. I'm tired. I'm quitting. Um, and employees have a little bit more, you know, some agency and, uh, um, but are you seeing shift in terms of like companies allowing people to create brands while they're still working at call it publicly traded companies? It's really interesting that you mentioned this because we, before we hopped on this zoom, I, I swear everybody, this was not planned, but before we hopped on this, I was reading a newsletter that I had been sent and it was really talking about this exact thing that brands, these big fortune 500 companies they're realizing, you know, to take a lesson from Blockbuster, uh, you can deny Netflix all you want, but eventually they're going to come eat your lunch. Or we can use the example of the record industry back when they said, oh, don't worry about Napster. Joke, jokes on them <laughs> because obviously streaming has taken over. So I think what companies are realizing is we can either deny that this is going to happen. We can stick our hand, heads in the sand and say, okay, you know, employees talking about their work or what they do doesn't matter, doesn't affect us, or we want to be ahead of the trend. So the thing that I was seeing is Disney, who's, you know, I think one of the most innovative companies, arguably that, that we've seen in the last hundred years, Disney's saying, wait a second, we know that people want to talk about their jobs. We know they want to talk about their jobs on TikTok. We know they want to talk about their jobs on Instagram, on LinkedIn. What if we created our own program where we take 50 employees and say, okay, we know you're going to want to talk about Disney. Let us show you how you can talk about Disney in an effective way. Let us show you how to edit cool reels. Let us show you how to add interesting transitions on TikTok. So instead of denying it and trying to shut people down and say, well, don't record anything, don't, no podcast, no, nothing. They're actually saying, okay, we know you're going to do it. So if you're going to do it, let's do it well, which I think is a really interesting take. It sort of reminds me, you know, I, I don't know if anybody had these, I certainly didn't have these type of parents, but I know there were type of parents in high school where kids were like, you know, 18, 19, and they were like, I'm going to go have a beer. And there were some parents that were like, you're not allowed to drink till you're 21. You know, you're not doing it. We're not. And then there were other parents who were like, we know you're probably going to go have a beer and we know you're probably going to go do that. So if you could just have the beer at home and we can keep your car keys and we know where you are, we'd rather you do that because it's under our supervision. That was still not my parents, but I say that because I think it's a really tactile example that I think the most innovative companies will realize, okay, people are going to do this and they're either going to do it with our support and help or they're going to do it without our support and help. And so I think Disney's really, I was shocked, quite frankly, to see that, but really excited because I think they're going to lead the forefront in these Fortune 500 companies realizing it's only helpful for us to let our VP of innovation go on podcasts. It's only helpful. And if not, I think you'll see, you know, what we're seeing right now, which is depending on what you want to call it, the great resignation, the great reshuffle. I mean, there's all these different like catchphrases that people are putting around it, but you know, let's get real. It's people being like, 
this job sucks and I'm quitting, or this job's making me crazy and I'm leaving, or these people are making me crazy and I'm leaving. So I think companies would, it would behoove them to listen to what people want and want to do, because if not, you know, I think people are in the mood right now where it's like, I'm just going to walk. I'm just going to go somewhere else where somebody appreciates all that I bring to the table. Yeah. What, what's the name of this program by Disney? I, I'm going to look it up in my email right now because I, like I said, I was reading it right before we hopped on. The newsletter is called The Future and it's on Substack if anybody is interested. Um, but yes, here it is. Massive companies like Disney are noticing that creators are the next great hiring pool. They recently launched their Disney Creator Lab, a three-month program that will train creators on branding, monetizing, and marketing the Disney brand on social media. Pretty great. I mean, you can Google, there's a whole Forbes article about this Disney Creators Lab, but I think it's a matter of time before we start seeing other companies go again wait a second, people are going to be making this content, whether we like it or not. So let's make it good content at least. Yeah. Cool. Listeners were always bringing the latest, literally real-time insights. Uh, and this is just the perfect example of it. Um, thanks, Kim. And what, um, so, cause it's been interesting is like, I get people that say like, David, I see you, you know, I see you on LinkedIn. I see you. And I'm like, I don't even think I'm posting that much, but I think that there really is I missed and and Kim is 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 nodding, and I think agreeing is like even the things that I don't I don't think I'm posting a bunch, but there just really is a lack of other people sharing insights, and so I am encouraging people. I also don't mind <laughs> other people doing it because then uh, you know my content kind of um, stands out a little bit, but it does seem like there is um, a lack of um, people sharing. Oh, most people don't realize. I mean. I'm going to forget this exact stat, but it was something like only 3% of people who are on LinkedIn actually create content. That means the other 97% of people are lurkers. And listen, I love me some lurking. I love DMing people. I love connecting. I love liking. I love commenting. I love all of those things. But what that means is compared to an Instagram compared to a Facebook, compared to some other of these platforms where you have so many people creating content, it's very hard to stand out. So I tell people, I, again, I wish I had those stats in front of me, but it was something like if you post one time a week on LinkedIn, nothing crazy, one time a week, that's really not that much. One time a week, you're already in like the top 1% of creators. Wow. Bananas bananas because that is how little that is how few people are posting on the platform so that's why i say to people like now is such the golden era to capitalize on and you hear people who work in social media or branding or marketing and they'll kind of sit in the meetings and they'll say back in the day on facebook we used to post something and it would get to all 20,000 fans or, you know, back in the day on Instagram, I used to have like 50% of my followers like my content. And now I know my content is only seen by 20% of them unless I pay, right? Because those platforms have become like a pay to play. 
And there's platforms like TikTok, which is not, that has not happened yet. And LinkedIn, which that has not happened yet. So I always tell people like, this is the golden era. This is the time to get on. This is the time to start posting content because I have no doubt at some point in the future, whether it's a year, two years or three years, you and I, David, will be talking. We'll say, remember back in the day when LinkedIn, you could post something and it was seen by, you know, 10,000 people organically in the first 12 hours. And then we'll be shaking our fists being like, and now they don't get seen. So I have no doubt that that will happen, but it's like, get in now, like get in, get in while it's hot, get in while it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've definitely, um, I forget when it was, but I, I remember learning from you about when people Google your name, like depending on how much uh, content you share or not, but like your LinkedIn profile is for most people is like the top of, or one of the top results. Um, and I think that that's kind of fascinating and surprising to a bunch of people. I don't know. Oh, I, I play this game for people. I did it last week. I was doing a live uh, a live speaking event, obviously it was digitally, but I was showing people in real life. And you can, by the way, if you have your phone in front of you, you can play this game too, which is, I encourage you to Google Sarah Blakely, right? The founder of Spanx, first self-made billionaire. She's an amazing success story. You know, she's in Warren Buffett's giving pledge. I mean, all this amazing accolades and stuff. Do you know what the number five Google's result for her is, it is her LinkedIn profile, second only to number four, which is spanks.com, which is the name of her dang company. So you have Sarah Blakely, like literally billionaire, and LinkedIn is the fifth thing that comes up. And and this is a fun game to play. And, And like, we can play this game all day long. If you go to Richard Branson, he's up in space. Virgin Galactic, all this stuff. You Google Richard Branson. He's done all these amazing things. Do you know what the third thing on his Google is? His LinkedIn. And he's Richard freaking Branson. And he went to space last month. <laughs> so, so it doesn't matter. So when people say like, well, you know, how important is it? I'm like, no offense. You and I are not Richard Branson. And you and I are not Sarah Blakely. So if LinkedIn is showing up in the top five of those individuals, I can safely say for everybody listening to this podcast, there is a good chance that LinkedIn, if it's not in your top five, it's your number one. It is your number one, because that is how powerful this platform is and how in sync it is with Google. You know, most people don't realize LinkedIn is the oldest social media platform. It is 18 years old. It is legally allowed to join the army. Like it can go (laughs) off to war. It is 18. It is a grown adult. And so for 18 years, Google has been crawling LinkedIn. Crawl, crawl, crawl. Army crawl all over LinkedIn. So it has 18 years. So even if you said to me, Kim, the latest and greatest platform is coming up around the bend. Oh, it's, it's the new LinkedIn, whatever. I say to them, does it have 18 years? Does it have 18 years of history with Google? Because if it's showing up for number three on Richard Branson and it's showing up for number five on Sarah Blakely, it's it's not going anywhere, kids. Like it's going to be around for a while. 
Yeah. And, and this also brings, you bring up a good point um, about um, that people know you before they know you. Yeah. And I think that that's a spiky point of view uh, of yours. And I would love to hear just a little bit more about that um, and explain to people how they could take advantage or improve that position uh, because they know you before they know you. Absolutely. It's something that I really have been kind of deep in thought of over the past couple of years, especially as we work with some of these, you know, superstar clients that we work with, which is what we have, you know, the example that I always go to is online dating, or if you're not dating, let's say you're married with kids, let's say you hire a new babysitter, right? If you hire a new babysitter or you're about to go on a first date, what is the first thing you do? You pick up your phone and you say, who the hell is about to watch my kids or who the hell am I supposed to go meet at this bar? You Google people. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm not saying it's right to judge a book by its cover. I'm just saying it happens like the sun rises and the sun sets more often than not. You're not letting someone come into your house, watch your kids, stay with your kids for hours unattended at your house without looking them up. Most people have looked them up and said, I got to know who's going to be all up in my house for the next couple hours. Or before you go on a date, who the heck am I going on the date with? Who is this guy? Is he a total serial killer? What's going on? And so to me, we have taught people, and as we've seen with online dating, whether it's Bumble or Tinder, Hinge, or any of these things, we have taught people before you meet somebody, before you even get to know them, K-N-O-W, you have a chance to know them, N-O. And we can sit on our phones and swipe left and swipe right. And he looks kind of cute. And oh, definitely not him. Or, oh, she looks really nice. Ooh, but definitely not her. And we judge people. And to me, that practice, which has become, I mean, Bumble just went public. They had their big IPO last year. That has become so acceptable. That has been so ingrained in our American culture that we don't see a problem with it anymore. I mean, I know for me personally, I can think of three friends off the top of my head right now. One has been married off of Tinder and two have been married off Bumble just within the last couple of years. So, I mean, this works like they found their person on these platforms. Like, so I'm not even, I'm not even shaming it. Like this is what's happening. And to me, this acceptable behavior is the canary in the coal mine, if you will, because what is going to happen or what I foresee happening in the future is just like we saw when the music industry was taken over by streaming and everybody at the movies, they said, oh, that won't happen to us. DVDs will be around forever. And now what happened? Nobody owns DVDs anymore. We all stream our movies and people are sitting there in the workplace going, well, no one's going to Google me that I don't have to worry about that. No one's going to say no to me based on my LinkedIn or my Google search results. And to me, I'm like, but look at what's happening in dating. That's kind of the canary in the coal mine. And that's going to come over to the workplace. I'm not saying it's going to come over to the workplace tomorrow or even next year, but it's coming. It's like a tsunami and it's coming for us. And so you can either be ready for it. You can be ready for people to Google you before that big meeting, Google you before you get asked for that promotion or ask for that award or honor, or you don't. So you can either have your... You can either have your career narrative by default, which is 
whatever the heck comes up is what comes up, or you can have it by design. And I'm in the camp of people are going to be telling your story no matter what. So wouldn't you rather tell it than wait for somebody else's like weird mixed up version of telling it for you. And so that to me is really the impetus of my, you know, you know, spiky point of view is that we all have to pay attention to this. We all have to invest in this. And I think the people that invest in it now invest in it fast and are ready for it when God forbid another recession comes or when another change comes, those are going to be the people that are ready for it. And the people that kind of said, well, that doesn't apply to me. Well, that doesn't matter. Well, I don't need to worry about that. I always say, yeah, there were people at Blockbuster that said the same thing about Netflix, that they didn't need to worry about it. And there were people working at the fax machine companies that said email, we don't have to worry about that. We're fax machines. So yeah, I have no doubt that there's somebody listening to this podcast right now that says this doesn't apply to me. And I would say, congrats you should probably go work at Blockbuster. That would probably be a really great home for you. (laughs) Uh, And so obviously people should update their LinkedIn, turn on creator mode. And I think with the beauty of the cohort-based course is that there's these kind of like this activation energy, right? Um, You know, the thing, and it's like the things that are not urgent, we put off. Um, So something that uh, might not feel as, um, important today, but is important over the long term, um, and it doesn't feel as urgent today. Uh, we put it off. But the beauty of cohort-based courses that I've experienced—I mean, I created this podcast in a cohort-based course three years ago—is that when you're around like-minded people, um, whether that's you know you become friends with somebody and you kind of push each other, or just the kind of collective energy um, in the cohort that just naturally kind of pushes people forward. Totally. And I mean, I say to people all the time, again, I'll use myself as an example. Like I'm the type of person where if I am going to the gym by myself versus going to the gym with a friend, I am much less likely to cancel. If I know my friend is meeting me there, I'm just being honest. I have a way easier time canceling on myself. I'm tired. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. I'll work out tomorrow instead. But if I know oof, Vanessa is meeting me at the trailhead at 6 PM. And if I text her 10 minutes before, she's not going to be very happy with me. And that's also just not really nice to do to a friend. I'm getting my butt to that trailhead and I'm putting on my sneakers and I'm getting there. So, you know, when I talk about the career capital course, it's, it's sort of that same mindset. Like I get it sometimes digging into your own career capital and cleaning up your own stuff. It is like going to the gym. It is like doing burpees. And sometimes you wake up in days and you're like, I don't want to do any pushups today. That's not very fun, but hopefully you're like, I'm meeting Kim and I'm meeting all these other amazing people. And so like I'm showing up. And so that to me is, you know, I do give out a ton of free resources, a ton of helpful tips and tricks and tactics, but I always say like, those only go so far and those only go so in depth. I can't, let's be honest. I can't teach you everything in a 30 second reel. I can't teach you everything in a 15 second TikTok. I can't even teach you anything in a 45 minute webinar. Like it's just, it's not enough time. I need to like sink my teeth into you and really like work on those baby steps to make those changes 
holding your hand the whole way. And so to me, it's really, it's really about what you said. It's that accountability factor. It's being in the room with other people who are doing the same thing that you're kind of like, okay, I'm on the same page. I'm getting energized too. We're all going to do this together. Amazing. And for listeners, that's at careercapitalcourse.com. Um, Kim, this has been incredible round two. Um, hopefully maybe there's round three. Um, yes. last, last time we talked about one kind of go-to or one thing to somebody to do was to write handwritten notes. Um, and that was such a joy talking about that. Gave somebody a handwritten note yesterday and he, he said something like he hasn't, he's kept all the handwritten notes he's ever gotten since he was 18 and he has them with him. Like, and <laughs> I have all of mine. I'm pulling them up. I'm showing them to you. I have all of mine. They're sitting right here in my desk. And when I'm having a bad day, I read them. Oh. So that was a really good actionable takeaway that you shared for people last time. Um, if there's anything else that you think on the career capital side, that somebody we talked about turning on creator mode, there's anything else that you say, you know what, David, I forgot to mention this one thing. And then, yeah, let, let, let people know how else they can, um, learn more about the course and stay in touch. I would say again, you know, one of the things that I always harp on is I'm all about baby steps. I'm all about lazy learning. Um, you know, I forget what the quote is, but if you want to do something fast, give it to a lazy person. Cause they'll find like the fastest way to do it. But, you know, for me, it's like, I know I, I talk about like how to improve your career capital and like, let's plus it up. But if you're like Kim, I just want to do the bare minimum. Like, I just kind of want to get the passing grade. I just kind of want to go pass fail. I would say if you do nothing else, at least clean up or like optimize your LinkedIn profile. So you can go to helpmylinkedin.com. There's five tips there. They'll probably take you anywhere from like 30 to 35 minutes it's nothing crazy. It's nothing insane. It's literally like 30 minutes. And the best analogy I have for people is it's sort of like cleaning your house. Like it's just cleaning up shop. It's getting rid of the dirty socks by the front door. It's getting rid of like the underwear that are hiding under the bed, just like clean up a little bit. So if you go to helpmylinkedin.com, that would be the one thing I would leave everybody with just kind of like clean house. If you can, as I'm looking around my my room slash office, which is dirty in the end of the week. Uh, that really resonates, Kim. So thank you so much, Kim. Really, really appreciate it. Excited to hear more about how well the course goes. Um, thanks again for your time. Thank you. This is so fun. Hey, friend. Thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.